Hi and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Mr. Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Look, it's a pleasure to be here. I've set myself a bit of a, uh, a mission. It's not something that um, I can certainly achieve. Um, it's only something that the Holy Spirit can bring about. But Josh is right. I, I certainly do have a heart for this church, and, um, and I'm bringing this message as an elder, as a, a friend and a brother, and, um, and I hope it's received that way. And as that, uh, I'm just talking of brothers and brotherhood, I'd just like to, uh, to give a warm um, welcome back to Colin Pettit up the back there. He's, um, he's told me that he just wants to keep a low profile, so we won't embarrass him too much, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I just find that um, if, if there's somebody that I'm connected to, which is everybody in the church, if I find that that person is gone, like they're just sort of, you know, maybe not gone in spirit so much, but they're gone bodily from our congregation, I feel that something is missing. You know, I feel on edge and it's, it's always great to see that reconnection great back here again you know it's great I just um, just love uh, Michael and Diane just seeing them you know drop in from time to time and uh, and just again bless us with their presence you know it's great now just to start off I just this is just something that um, as we were worshipping just just come to my mind and I think it would be a really good thing if we could just start off by just closing our eyes close your eyes, I'm going to ask you to use your imagination. Now, just in your mind, just picture the person beside you, just as a point of light. And from you to them, there's a filament of light. You got that? Okay. Now think of the person beside them, again, as another point of light, and the person beside them, and so on, until you've got this whole church pictured in your mind, as a series of lights. You get that? Now think of, the, uh, think of the, the Baptist Church it's meeting, Methodist Church, Church of England, Presbyterian Church, Catholic Church. I'm not trying to leave out any churches, but just think of them the same way, these points of light, and see yourself, see, see the, the first bunch of lights connected to those lights. It's the Church of Noosa. Now think of the Church of Croy likewise. And the Church of Pridgian and, and so on down, Maruchidor. You see that? You've got, you've got this growing luminosity. Now all of a sudden go kaboom, spread that out across Australia. Think of all those people, churches meeting together and connect with them. Okay, now let's go big macro, zoom out and just picture all the countries of the world with all the churches meeting together and picture that. Okay, now we're going to start to wind back the hands of time. Think about the people that sat in those chairs or, or sat, on those, uh, sat on those dirt floors or squatted in the corners of those, uh, the churches right around the world 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This, this luminous ball of light is what we're all connected to. Those, those bonds, 
those luminous filaments don't just extend in, in space, they extend back in time. Because we're talking about, we're talking about an internal body. Every person that joins with Jesus Christ joins with him in eternity and joins with each other. So open your eyes, please. Don't. Sorry, didn't know you were so obedient. <laughs> but that's what I want to speak about. This is the birth of uh, birthday of the church. We, we we talk about different aspects of what that means, but it's this company of people that I feel are proud to be part of. You know, it's not something I'm. I'm part of this immediate congregation here now, this is where I touch ground with the rest of the church, this is where I do business with the church, but I don't exclude in my understanding of church all the other churches that are meeting today or yesterday or whatever day or with any of the other churches that have met in the past. We are united. But what unites us? What unites us? Now, I know that most of you will go, oh, well, it's the Holy Spirit, and you're right, you're right. But I want to speak about something even more fundamental than that. And, and that's the task I've set myself. It's sort of, to me, it's sort, of like the, um, it's sort of like the elephant in the Bible. And I don't mean, <laughs> like when I open it up, because, because it's an awareness, I guess, that God has brought me into, I see it all the way through, but I see it as an elephant. I don't see... It has the toenail of an elephant or the tusk of an elephant or the, uh, or the big flappy ear of the elephant. I see it as the elephant. And I'm not saying that it's something we're avoiding. It's certainly not that. It's just because it is so big and enormous, we just haven't actually grasped the whole of it in this church. And I don't think that after I walk down off this platform, it'll have changed too much more, but I'm hoping that at least I can introduce you to the idea. And as the Holy Spirit brings the revelation and brings the inspiration that only he can, that you'll start to grasp this concept. So let me ask you, just by way of introduction, I've given you a bit of a, uh, you know, a nice picture of how I see the church. What is the church to you? What do you believe the church is? What do you believe your role is in the church? And how important is the church to you? So let me ask you this. To you, is the church what we do here on Sunday morning? We're going to get past the, the silly bit about, oh, the, you know, is the church the building of the people? That's, we won't even go there. But is the church, is the, church um, the people sitting in their homes during the week? Is the church what we do on Sunday morning? Is the church... Um, a group of people as individuals or is it a group of people as a congregation? But let's go a little bit further. What then uh, is my responsibility to the church? That filament that joins me to that next person, what is that and how strong is it and how necessary is it? I mean, can I be part of the church if I don't actually come on Sunday morning? What about if I don't want to come on Sunday morning? Does that mean... I'm not part of the church? And what about if I just skip every second Sunday? You know, is, is that sort of going to weaken that bond I have with the church? These are questions that I'm asking you because these are questions that I've asked myself. <laughs> and it's these questions that have led me, I guess, on a, um, on a bit of a journey that's brought me to where I am today because I have to admit that 
that my original relationship and understanding of the church was, was very mature. And I saw the church as something that was perhaps a bit corrupt, perhaps you know, man-made, an institution, you know, a construct. That's one of the words that was used in some of the books I was reading. You know, it was this sort of thing. And because of that, my commitment to the church, my love for the church was affected by my belief. Now, have you ever seen that? Do you understand that, that, that connection between what you believe and what you do? Have you seen that? If you, if you allow yourself to believe this, it permits you to do that. But if you go, no, that's not wrong, I can't believe that because this is what the Word of God says, then there's this thing called a conscience, which is, um, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. They will go, well, hang on, you can't do that anymore. How can you believe this and do that? Do you understand the dilemma? So if what you believe allows you to do a certain thing and I can convince you that what you believe is not actually truthful, will you change your position? You have to. You have to. So as I said, I don't think I can do a real lot here and I don't intend to, but I think I'll at least start by trying to introduce, to the best of my ability, um, a general understanding of covenant. Because to me, that filament that connects everyone is called covenant. And when I look at the Bible, I pick this up and I don't see it as the Bible. I see it as the book of covenant. Now, the reason I say that is both it it has a a very factual grounding to it. For instance, the Bible, as you know, is divided into two pieces. You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. But... If we remove that word testament and we put in covenant, because testament and covenant come from the same Greek word diatheke, if you it could be translated either way, but because of certain choices that were made back, right back in the time of Jerome, hang on, this is the historian bit coming into it, yeah. <laughs> they decided that they call it testaments instead of covenants, but the word could easily have been kept as covenant. So this here is the book of covenants, or more particularly, or more specifically in my opinion, the book of covenant. Covenant, we've got, that's what it's about. (laughs) And it's there from the very first page right through to the very end. I can't explain how I can support that argument. I can just say to you that I could, if I had the time, I don't. So you're just going to have to go with it. Okay, so a (laughs) a book of covenant. Groovy, what's a covenant? What's the big deal? Yeah, 70s, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but if you, understand, if you understand the concept of covenant a little bit better, then I think you'll understand what the connection is between you and you and you and you and you and you and you, and you right across the whole world. And it might help you gain a better understanding then of what your commitment is, what your obligations are, and how we're all interrelated in this. So is, is that okay? Everybody with me so far? Belinda, give me a wave when I, uh, when I... No, not yet. If I start to waffle, she'll do that. <laughs> okay, so I can't actually take you through bit by bit through the Bible and explain this to you. I did it in my mind. I had a perfect sermon um, worked out on this walk I did. As I was coming back to the car, just having the wind-up at the very end of it, unfortunately, it was over two hours long. So I've had to wind it back a bit. <laughs> 
So in your mind, I want you, I'm going I'm I'm to use your Bible knowledge. I know you've got this in your head. You've got it in your Bibles there. I'm going to give you the chapters and you can write them down so you can go away and study to make sure that I'm not telling you a fib. Okay, good idea. Thank you. So when we come to covenant, if we're reading through the Bible, we open up at Genesis and we work our way through, there are several covenants there, but you don't pick them up until chapter 9. Chapter 9, you come to the story of Noah and you'll see that after the flood, well, actually started before the flood, but after the flood, in chapter, uh, the last part of chapter 8, first part of chapter 9, God comes to Noah and says, Noah, I want to make a covenant with you. This is the this is, um, simplified version. And this is what I'll do. I'm, going to, I'm not going to flood the world again. I'm not going to destroy the world again by water. Everything's cool. You don't have to worry. When you step outside your cave or your tent or your, your hut or whatever and you see it going all cloudy, you don't have to break out into a cold sweat. You're not going to go through that again. There's going to be seasons. There's going to be this. There's going to be... Do, you, you're able to eat the animals now, okay? Animals are there for your food. You don't have to rely just on plants. Sorry, vegetarians, but that's where it changed. And the only thing I require of you is that you go out into the world, multiply, fill it. That's the covenant I will make with you. And then, see, that, that's the promise of the covenant. So when we come to covenants, we always have a promise. And when I'm talking about covenants now, I'm talking about Bible covenants, okay, because the world has their own interpretation. But this is Bible covenant. That's all we're interested in. So there's the promise. And then there was general blessings, there's cursings in that. And then there is the sign of the covenant. Now, the sign of the covenant is a very, very interesting part. I didn't quite understand covenants until I started to pick up on the sign of the covenant. Every covenant that God makes, he gives it a sign. And a sign is ev- it's the evidence, it's the seal of the covenant. A sign is the seal of the covenant. So what was the sign that sealed the covenant of Noah? Can anybody tell me? No. <laughs> you're right. No, you're sorry, you're right. Okay. But the, the modern translations have put rainbow in there. <laughs> what God actually said, I will put my bow in the clouds. Okay. Now, because the translators have thought, oh, the poor people are going to get confused, they could think it's a bow tie, they could think it's anything. So, so we'll have to put in rainbow, but my bow in the sky. Now, too... The people of that day, a bow only meant one thing. A bow meant warfare. <laughs> okay, An empty bow was a sign of peace. So what God was virtually saying to them, I'm going to hang up my animosity towards this world and I'm going to put it up there. So you can see, while that is up there, I am at peace with the world. Okay, I'm not going to destroy the world with water. He will destroy the world again. That bow will come down, but he will destroy the world. Noah stands as a really stark contrast to a lot of our um, lovey-dovey doctrine, okay? Like God is prepared to destroy the world if he felt he had to, but he won't destroy the world until the end of this age when that bow is removed. Okay, that's that's a really simple... Um, covenant, but you can sort of get the general idea. Now, I'll just to, to, to show you the heart of the covenant and to show you how covenant is different to contract, let me just say that 
What was the, what was the, the requirement of the, of the covenant? What was the one thing that God asked or God told man that he wanted them to do in that? It was just to go into the world and multiply and fill it. Very easy. They didn't do that. <laughs> they broke the requirements of the covenant. So they quickly decided, well, that's what God wanted. But you'll read um, you know, in the following chapters how men congregated together on the plains of Shinar and they decided that they would build themselves a tower, a city, lest they be spread across the earth. The very thing that God did not want was the very thing that man decided he would do. Hadn't learnt the lesson of Adam and Eve. I won't dwell on that, but my point is that the bow is still in the sky. <laughs> if that was a contract, then it would be null and void, and God would go, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to destroy you. A covenant doesn't go, well, if you do this and this for me, then I will do that and that and for you, and if you don't, it's over. A covenant goes, my obligations are this, your obligations are that, and even if you don't fulfil your obligations, I will fulfil mine. It cuts across the heart of the human condition. Right? It cuts across everything within us because what we are, we are a people. I'm not talking about the church, I'm talking about the world. We are a people that goes, if you want me to do this, this and this, then you have to do this, this and this for me. And if you don't, then I'm not in it. I'm out of it. I'm going to walk away. I'm not interested in you. You know, if you do this, this, and this for me, I will love you. But if you do this, this, and this against me, then I will hate you, hurt you, kill you, maim you, walk away from you, leave you. Can you understand the difference? But this isn't, this isn't covenant. This is the heart of man that covenant cuts across. This is a very, very important fundamental basis for covenant and it was the one that cut the legs out underneath me. I found that a lot of my reasoning that kept me separated from the church and wouldn't allow me to commit to the church was on the basis of, well, the church isn't doing this, this and this, so I don't want to be part of that. But if I understood my covenant relationship to my brothers and sisters, I would go, okay, the church isn't doing this, this and this, Nonetheless, I have an obligation that I am committed to these people and I will not walk away. I will not walk away. Do you get it? It's pretty heavy, isn't it? Okay, flick through to, say, chapter 12 of the Bible and you come to the story of Abram. And in chapter 12, we might actually open up our Bibles and um, do a bit of reading because I don't like being up here without reading my Bible. Starting from verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Now when you see things in the Bible like this, this is covenantal talk. right? If the Lord ever comes to you and says, Get you out of your country because I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, you know that he's starting to talk covenant with you. So just beware, okay? Learn the, learn the sort of lingo that the Lord uses in this. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. 
and you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Covenantal language, blessings, cursings, this is what I'm going to do. Now, this is the very beginning of the covenant that the Lord builds with, with Abram. And it goes on to, um, let's say, chapter 15. Very, very interesting. You read in chapter 15 where after Abram has um, thought about what the Lord has said for, him for a couple of years, he goes, well, Lord, um, there's something missing here. If I'm going to be a great nation and, and I'm going to fill all the earth and do all this sort of stuff, don't, don't you think I actually need a wife that can produce children? You know, I'm not being picky here, but, you know, there's something missing here, so how, how, how's all this going to come apart? So what he was doing, he was questioning whether there was actually going to be a covenant here. So the Lord said to this, he said to this to Abraham, he said, okay, I understand what you're saying, let's get down to business. This is what I want you to do. I want you to get a heifer. I want you to get a goat. I want you to get a ram. I want you to get a couple of doves, right? Take the, take the animals out, fire up your chainsaw, cut them down the middle, all right? Lay them out on the ground, get the blood, the gore, get the whole thing happening because you and I are going to do business. So you can read the story. It's pretty spooky, but if you don't understand what's going on, it doesn't mean anything. But when you understand what happens in a covenant, you quickly see that there's a big deal going on. And so it, it talks about then how um, at dusk that this, this, this fiery smoke came down and it passed between the pieces of the sacrifice and the Lord spoke and confirmed again what he was doing. Who is this dorky kid in the front? <laughs> so, so you don't actually make a covenant, you cut a covenant. That's, that's, when, it, when you read make a covenant, the word beret there is actually a, a Hebrew word that means cut. So whenever you are making a covenant, you are cutting a covenant. And even if there wasn't the blood and the, and the dead animal, there was, there was, there was that understanding. And the idea is that as you go between the pieces of the animal, you're going, okay, I understand that if I break this covenant, this will be me. That's the purpose of it. It's not a sacrifice first and foremost. What it is, it's a confirmation of the, uh, of the severity and the purpose of the covenant. And these aren't things that you enter into lightly. Covenant. So that's a very good thing to understand about covenants. There, there's always this understanding that there is blood and death entailed to those that break it. There's always blood and the breaking of a body involved in making it, if you're going to do a, you know, a good covenant and make it serious. So then you come on to chapter 17, and then it talks about how God requires a seal of the covenant. This time he's not providing the seal. He's saying what the seal will be and Abram is required to seal the covenant with the sign of circumcision. I'm not going to go into that but that's really interesting too. So you can understand again that there's a seal on the covenant of Abraham. Now this covenant, this covenant Endured. It's an enduring covenant that comes right through to this very day. 
again, I'm sorry, I can't explain, I can't go into that, but, but it's still here today. Go, if you go through to the end of Genesis and you hop over to Exodus, very quickly in chapter 2, you can see that God comes to Moses and goes, Moses, this is 400 years later, mind you, Moses, I haven't forgotten that I have made a covenant with Abram, a covenant with his children, and I want to deliver them out of bondage. Because if I don't, then I won't have fulfilled my obligations. Though they have forgotten the requirement of the, of the covenant, that is, they've neglected the circumcision, they've neglected the promise, they have done the wrong thing against me, nonetheless, nonetheless, I have made a promise and I'm not backing away from it. So this is what I'm going to do. And the story of the whole covenant that, um, that is... Uh, completed, or not, sorry, not completed, but the, the promises of the covenant of Abraham that, that, are, um, that are kept through the time of Moses and the children of Israel is a story of God ploughing through the midst of Egypt, <laughs> cutting a highway through Egypt, through the Pharaoh, through the, um, the people of Egypt, through the desert, through the Red Sea, so that he could lead his people out of Egypt and into the promised land, the land that was promised Abram. Big miracles, like it was a very, very big thing. And to cut a long story short, the seal of that particular covenant that was made on Mount Sinai was the covenant of the keeping of the Sabbath. That's uh, chapter 31. Just to um, help bring this down, let's um, just read a passage out of... Exodus chapter 24, which I thought I had marked. So if we go down to... um, Verse 6, and Moses took, so we're in Exodus 24, verse 6, and Moses took half the blood and put it in basins and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant. Isn't that interesting? Do you know what the book of the covenant was? Well, it was the Bible. That was, that was as far as the Bible had been developed at that stage. And it was basically the ten words, what we call the ten commandments, written in stone. That was the book of the covenant. So it's the first time a covenant had actually been written down because this was something that had a very serious um, job to do and, and had to endure. Anyway, he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made according to all these words. Now... I don't have to, you know, I don't have to spell out the the connection between this covenant and what that covenant meant and the new covenant, do I? It's it's pretty clear. We've got the book of the new covenant here with us, which we hold in our hands. Do you know where that covenant, that book of covenant was put after this particular part here that's read? It was taken after it was read and it was put in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant held it 
over the Ark of the Covenant was the Shekinah glory of God. That was the manifest presence of, the, of, of God over the Ark of the Covenant that held the Book of the Covenant. We are the Ark of the Covenant holding the Book of the Covenant, which is entrusted in our keeping, over which presides the presence of God. This is, this is all typology, but you can see that there's, as you understand these things, it brings it into the reality of who we are and where we are in this new covenant. So I won't, I won't, I won't labour on that anymore, but if you look through those three covenants, you start to understand covenantal language, you'll start to understand what God was setting up for the new covenant. But the problem that he was struggling against was, as I said, it was this heart. It was this this heart of man that constantly wants to go into a, a contract mode saying, if you do this and this and this for me, then, then I will do that, that and that. But covenant works the opposite way. God certainly had his requirements. He certainly had his requirements. But the, when those people did not keep the law and when, he, when they did not do what the Lord wanted them, he didn't wipe them out. He didn't remove them. He didn't walk away from from relationship he stayed there I just want to read two more verses if I uh, two more passages of scripture Jeremiah 31 31 Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 31 behold the days are coming says the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write it on their hearts and I will be their people and they shall be, I will be their God and they shall be my people. New covenant, it's coming. The reason is because the old covenants could not operate, the covenants of God cannot operate in the old heart. It has to be a new heart that can enter in to the Bible covenant. One more, two, if we could have a look at, please. Let's go over to Ezekiel, please. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel's just a few more books on. Chapter 36. And reading from verse 25. So saying, I'm going to take you from the nations, gather you out of the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So can you understand that you know, that God very quickly um, made the point that why you operate in the old heart, why you operate in the old spirit, then you can't, you can't possibly enjoy the relationship that he wants to have with you. Thank you. <laughs> the new heart and the new spirit is the thing that allows us to enter into full relationship with God and with each other. <laughs> We can't have one idea of a relationship with God 
and not understand that that same form of relationship applies to the people beside us. If we're under covenant to God, then we are a covenant people. And because we are a covenant people, we are covenanted to each other. I am my brother's keeper. There's no way of getting around it. When Colin disappears over overseas, I worry about him. You know, I can't. It's just like that. He's back. I can worry about something else. But you know, something's missing. You sort of feel that disjointedness. <laughs> if you want to actually understand the real, real heart, like you know, when you're dealing with hard-hearted people and people that are disobedient and all that sort of thing, and you don't actually have a mutual love relationship, then you've got to have a covenant of a certain form. And they're the ones I took you through. But if you want to have a look at the true heart of God's covenant, you have to look at the marriage covenant. Right? That's where it's at. You saw the reference there in Jeremiah 31. I wanted to be a husband to you. And that's, that was the history of Israel, that as they kept doing what God asked them not to do and they were unfaithful, more and more he kept bringing in this, this, this sort of talk. I want to be a husband to you. I am a spouse to you. You are my wife. I, want, I love you. I want you to love me back. I'm not going to walk away from you. We're in this together. You know, don't, don't keep doing that. Don't keep committing these adulteries. Don't keep chasing after these idols. It's destroying. It's, it's destroying us. It's destroying our relationship. It's eating away at the heart of the covenant. Don't be unfaithful. And if there's one thing that responds to the heart of man in its unredeemed form is faithfulness. It gets across it because man is not faithful in his, in, in his unredeemed state. In his redeemed state, he is to be faithful. I mean, that is the whole essence of the relationship of God. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. So let's just go back over then in the new covenant very quickly. <laughs> the new covenant... On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. He's making covenant. This represents the broken body that you would walk between to make a covenant with a covenantal partner. In In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant, the new covenant, in my blood, drink this as often as you do in remembrance of me. Making a covenant. So we're connected. We have that, we have that, that, um, that filament of connection based on covenant with each person in this congregation and across the world. And it endures. So I just wanted to take this uh, moment to give an opportunity to anybody that... Uh, thinks to themselves, okay, I can see that unless I'm in this covenant, that I'm not under the blood of this covenant, I'm not part of this covenant, and I'm not part of the church, therefore I'm in trouble. Because you are. There's only salvation, there's only salvation under this covenant. There's only salvation under the blood. There is no other covenant outside this new covenant by which men can be saved. So, this is what I would like to make as an invitation. If you would like to enter into this covenant, this is the time and this is the place. This is the opportunity.
Because outside there are only cursings. Inside this covenant there are blessings. And I could spend ages just talking about the blessings. But the principal one you're probably interested in at the moment is eternal life. Outside the covenant there is eternal death. Inside the covenant, eternal life. And then it just gets better and better and better. What does it cost? Well, it costs you your life. Okay. This is not a cheap covenant. But if you hold your life dear, if you think your life is important, you think your life is grand, then you will have to lay down that life to enter in here. But if you think your life is rough, it doesn't have any purpose, there is nothing ahead of you, there's nothing really behind you, you don't have a future, your past is a mess, and you just feel that you don't have any life, this is where the life is under this covenant. So... What the Bible tells us is that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So as part of that confession, I'd ask you to stand up and if you come to the front here, then we can pray with you and we can explain to you how to enter into this covenant. It's very, very simple. In fact, by standing to your feet, you're halfway there. So... Just for a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. Heavenly Father, as we survey the magnificence of your word, the book of the covenant, and we consider all that you have done to bring us into this covenant, Lord, and we understand what the covenant means to the relationship that we have with you and with each other, we stand in awe. We say, what a beautiful thing, what a magnificent thing. Lord, so my prayer is for me and for this church, Lord, that we enter into that covenant, Lord, that we begin to pursue this revelation, we begin to become in our own hearts a covenant people, that we settle in our own mind, that we have a covenantal relationship with each other, and, Lord, that you begin to teach us more and more what that means. Lord, that the questions about our commitment to this, to this people, Lord, uh, that, uh, that it begins to be settled and sorted out and understood in the light of covenant. So, Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory and the honour. In Jesus' name, amen.